chapter 1, Paul tells his soon-to-be friends in that city. I say soon-to-be friends because he had not yet been eyeball-to-eyeball with most of that congregation. He did have some acquaintances there, but he says something rather powerful. He says, so as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. And then he goes on to tell them what the gospel is. The gospel is the power, our word dynamite, the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And it is a great resource. It is a great blessing. It is a great power of energy or ball of energy that we have that we can reach out to, that we can be impacted by today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives. I'm speaking about the gospel. The gospel is powerful. It gives us the ability to live the kind of life we need to live. When I read my Bible, probably like you, I see some passages that are tough. I see some expectations that God has for me and for thee. They're not unrealistic. They're not beyond our grasp, but they are challenging. And were it not for the gospel, were it not for the power that we receive to live that kind of life, then that kind of life we could not live. I want to give you an example. This morning, we're talking together about healthy choices, healthy choices for our body, but especially healthy choices for that eternal part of us. And if you look with me at Romans chapter 12, you see a, a section of scripture that is essentially undoable without the power the gospel supplies. Remember in Acts chapter 2, they and we were promised whenever we repent of sin, whenever we're baptized for remission of sins, we receive not just remission of sins, but we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'll confess to you, I don't understand all that that encompasses, but I know that we have help. I know that because of the gift of the Spirit dwelling in us, and Jesus dwelling in us, and the Father dwelling in us, and the Word dwelling in us, that we can do perhaps more than we think we can do. And there are passages in our Bible where we especially, maybe I'm just telling on myself, we especially need that divine help, that, that power that we have access to or through the gospel of Christ. And so when you look, for example, in Romans chapter 12, it starts out with passages that we're real familiar with, telling us to be transformed. That, that, that word for, for transformed is, is a word that, that we typically would use to, to say something like metamorphosis. And when we think of metamorphosis, we again think of something that goes through a dramatic change. Well, that's us. That's us as we are seeking to live the Christian life. We, we change from from dirty to clean, from impure to pure, from, from worldly to godly, right? And, and that's just a sample of the changes that we make. But when I read the first few verses of Romans 12, I understand that, that I have assistance in the transformation. The text says, be transformed. It's not something that I necessarily, or we necessarily do for ourselves. It is something that, that God does for us and with us and through us and Jesus is involved and their spirits involved. And I don't understand the, the mathematical percentages that each divine person plays in mine and your transformation, but I understand we have help. 
Understand we need help because when, just think about the, 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 the big picture book of Romans. For Just kind of step back and look at it broadly. The first 11 chapters, Paul's talking about dynamic theological truths. I mean, he gets kind of deep in the, in the water with us on occasion. But when you come over to Romans chapter 12, it's a dramatic shift. It's not so much the theological as much as it is the practical. It's, it's okay, now we've got the first 11 chapters, now what? What does that mean to practical living? And in chapter 12, he begins talking to us about really two areas. How we relate to each other. How we treat each other, how we talk to each other, how we talk about each other, how we help other people feel, how we help other people move closer to Christ. And you, under, you, you know this truism that long after people forget what we said or what we did, they'll remember how we made them feel. It's important that we value people, that we cherish people. People are fragile. People have an internal part, a part that Jesus died for. And so when it gets to Romans 12, it's kind of a, a, a now what? section of the book now that we've covered all the deep theological how we're we're saved by the grace of God and we've all sinned but we have a gift in Jesus who makes our salvation possible and even while we were yet sinners Christ died for us and he asked shall we continue in in grace that sin may abound God forbid he talks to us in Romans 6 about the, this new life that's possible after we've been buried with Christ in baptism we resurrected to walk in in new kinds of living Okay, and so then you get to this section. Can, can you do this without divine help? I, I would confess that I can't. Not, not to the level I need to. Romans 12, beginning verse 9, these are habits. Habits of healthy people. Habits of spiritually healthy people. This is what a transformed life looks like. If you were drawing a diagram of the changed life, it would be pictured here, beginning verse 9 of Romans 12. Let love, he says, let love be without hypocrisy. What does that mean? It means love's not to be fake. It's not to, to masquerade itself. It's not to pretend. Hypocrite is one who never intends to be what he pretends to be. It's literally one who wears a mask. Y'all know this, right, in Greek theater back in the day. They didn't have amplification systems. And so they, they had their, their tragedies in theaters, amphitheaters that were kind of designed to project the voice. But the actors, all male back in those days, by the way, they wore, they wore masks. And if you were a good character, you'd have a pleasant-looking face on your mask. If you were evil, you'd have a sinister look. If you were a female character, be a female face. Male, you, you understand the idea. But these masks were designed to project the voice, but also to disguise who or what was on the other side of the mask. And that's the word that, that Paul's using here. Love doesn't wear a mask. Love is the real deal. It is genuine. And then he goes on to say, abhor, which is evil, and also cleave to what is good. Which is easier, to hate evil or to love good? Kind of depends on the person, pretend, depends on the, on the day. But do, do, that, that word, do you notice that word abhor? We never use that word in conversation. We always use the word hate for the word abhor. And, and probably some of you have translations that use the word hate. 
Why is it valuable to hate evil? Because when we hate it, we're going to stay far, far away from it. If we just dislike it, we might get near it. We might not see it as such a, such a, a deadly thing, such a dangerous thing. Isn't it true that the, the milder the label, the more dangerous the poison? And, and we want to raise our children to despise bad things, to not see it as something to trifle with, something to flirt with, something to experiment with. So we hate the bad stuff while at the same time loving those things that are good. Don't you appreciate how the Father is to us and he... While he's taking something away from us that will destroy us, he's replacing it with something that will bless us. The, the, the same intensity we are to hate which is evil is the same intensity we bring with, with love, appreciation, cling to those things that are good and wholesome and wonderful for us. The next habit I see is, again, talking about our relationships with each other, not just be kind to one another, not just be affectionate to one another, but kindly affectionate to one another. And then with this qualifier, with brotherly love. The idea there is to be nice to each other and then some. I mean, be, be, be super nice, be super kind, be super pleasant. In my mind, I'm thinking of Chick-fil-A. And I know that's trivial, but I'm thinking of that. When I think of super kind, super pleasant, super nice, super polite, I'm thinking about the people that are trained to work there. And don't we want the church to be so friendly, so accommodating, so kind, so respectful, so pleasant that the Chick-fil-A people think, hey, we need to be more like the Church of Christ folks. That'd be kind of nice. There's no excuse ever for rude behavior. None. There's no excuse for unpleasantness. There's no excuse for unkindness. I talked earlier about how with me, sometimes I need divine assistance to get to this level. But surely this is not one that's a struggle for us. We'll look at some others that big time struggle, probably. But it's easy to be nice, isn't it? It's easy to be thoughtful. It's easy to be respectful. Kind of like, have you ever been to... I'm thinking, why am I thinking of food illustration? Have you ever been to uh, Cracker Barrel? Is there an establishment in the world you can go to where people are more eager to open a door for others and hold the door for others? You notice that about Cracker Barrel? Again, that's the mentality. You know, people there, typically nice. People at this restaurant over here, they're typically nice. And we remember those kind of things. We want to be the best representatives of Christ Jesus we can possibly be. And the folks at the Tuscumbia Church of Christ, they are the nicest folks. They are the most gracious folks. They're the most thoughtful folks I have ever encountered. You know, it takes one runt to mess us up. I mean, maybe I shouldn't use it because I called myself a runt this morning, but it only takes one profane person unkind person, rude person that is a member of this family that can kind of hurt the reputation of the rest of us. That's so unfair that the, the world will judge us by our rudest member, our most, and surely we don't have that kind. You, you remember the, the illustration of this, this fella, he, he went to a, 
he went to a, a, a pig farm. He wanted to buy one of the pigs there. The fellow who went there to buy a pig happened to be the preacher. And uh, this pig farmer was more than happy to sell the preacher one of his pigs. And he said, he said, he brings out the litter of healthy pigs. And there's, there, there's one that's kind of scrawny and, and uh, not so desirable. And he said, the preacher said to the farmer, he said, that's the one I want. Um, well, why do you want that pig? Why don't you want one of these more healthy, more robust? No, I want to buy the runt. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to take this runt all over town. And I'm going to tell people that's the kind of pig that you raise out here in your farm. Oh, that's unfair. That, that's, that's not representative of my farm and, and the kind of pigs I raise. That's the exception. Why would you want to do that? And the preacher said, why do you talk about one of our members? You, you, you highlight the runt of our church. You highlight somebody who is kind of rough around the edges. And you say to people, that's the way we all are. That's the way the church is. That's not fair either. But that's the way the world thinks about the church. Especially, you, you got to know this, right? The devil doesn't want people to like his church. The devil doesn't want people to have warm, fuzzy feelings about his church. He wants the folks out in the world to hate the church, to, to pick us apart, to, to look for errors, to look for hypocrisies, to look for sins and, and dark spots in us, to rationalize why they will not want to come and be a part of the Lord's church. And so just one person among us, pressure on us, misbehaving out there, can be one person's argument or excuse to stay away. Well, if that's the way they are down there, I want nothing to do with them. Of course, we wish that people would, would highlight the vast majority who love the Lord, who are kind, who are such great ambassadors of the Lord's church and say, if that's the way they are, that's where I want to be. That's the kind of family I want to be a part of. We got to behave ourselves. One thing that helps me, and I'm ashamed of this to some degree, I remember who I am. Not just that I'm a Christian, which that should be sufficient, but I think also I preach down there at Tuscumbia Church of Christ, which means I can't say to some people what, Sometimes in my mind, I might be tempted to say, somebody in business may mistreat me. I've kind of got to eat that. I've just kind of got to let that go. Someone may be rude to me. I've just kind of got to let that go. And there's a part of me, somebody's rude to me. I, I want to, you know, kind of come back in that. But understand that then, then it's not just Jeff who was rude to me. It wasn't just Jeff who said that. It wasn't just Jeff who did this. It was the preacher at the Tuscumbia Church. How dare, do you know that that's the way the preacher is down there? So I have a standard that I'm, ex you do too. <laughs> you do too. So let's behave ourselves. That's why Paul's saying this. It matters. It, it's, a, it's a barrier to evangelism. Our misbehavior, but our good behavior is an inducement to evangelism. People wanting to come on board, be kind, be nice. In a world where you can be anything, I've seen people say this, be kind. That's doable. In honor, what does this mean? In honor, giving preference to one another. It means it's not always about you and me and our preferences. 
and what we want, what we need, what we desire, scratching our itches. It's about thinking of the other person before we think of ourselves. Remember Philippians 2, that's what Christ did. We're following his steps. We're trying to have his mind, and that's what we do also. It's not where if you don't do things my way, I'm going to be miserable, and I'm going to make sure you're miserable too. That's not the way of Christ. That's not the way of love, is it? Not lagging, this is, this is pretty interesting, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not lagging in diligence is another way of saying don't be lazy. Fervent in spirit, that word for fervent also can be interpreted for our word for boiling. I mean, we're just, we're enthusiastic serving the Lord. We're, 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 we're eager for this. This is a, it's not a, there, there are some people go through life, right, trying to figure out what is the minimum I can do to survive, to make it. As a student, what is, what's the least amount of homework I can do? What's the least amount of studying I can do as an athlete? What's the least amount of weight I can lift? What's the least amount of running I can do? What's the least amount of effort I can put into this and still get to play and coach won't be on my back? In marriage, what's the least I can do as a spouse and my wife won't be aggravated or my husband won't be too disgusted with me or as an employee? What's the least I can do to still keep my job and maybe get a raise every now and then? That's not what Paul is challenging us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to aspire to. It's not how little can I do, it's how, how much. You remember when you first became a Christian? You remember the, the enthusiasm with which we came into the Lord's family? How, how, how many prayers can I utter? How many passages can I read? How many visits can I make? How much can I give? How much can I do? And then we kind of, you know, that, that, that flame can get a little bit smaller, can't it, with the passing of time where, all right, now I figured out what the, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on just cruise control. Read the Sermon on the Mount. And isn't it all about and then some? You know, here's what the standard was, but I'm saying we're better than that. And that's what this passage is calling us to. Christ deserves our best, right? Rejoicing in hope. Uh, what does that mean, rejoicing in hope? It's not rejoicing in results, is it? It's, it's rejoicing, that word hope there. When I've preached on hope before, you've heard this from me. Maybe you remember it. The word hope there is the word Greek, elpis. It's a confident expectation. Sounds like Elvis. Confident expectation. It's, like, it's not like I hope that the rain will stop after worship tonight. It's I know. I, I, I'm certain this is going to happen. We, we, we hope the... The, uh, the crops come in. We hope our children make good grades. We, we hope, you know, to wake up in the morning. Those are not confident expectations. And so we, we would say, well, I hope one day I'll be in heaven. The, the idea is not that it's wishful thinking, the way we typically use the word hope. We're, we're rejoicing in hope. We're rejoicing because there are certain things that are undeniable realities, not wishful thinking. It's an undeniable reality that God made us, that God loves us, that Jesus died for us, that we can go to heaven one day. And because of those, those truths, we can rejoice despite bad news. 
Now, there's some days, right, we're going to get a doctor's report. We're going to get a phone call. We're going to get disappointed by things. How can people that have severe disappointment still live with a smile? Because this is temporary. No matter how bad it gets here, it is always, there's always an end to this. And when this ends, something much better replaces it. So we rejoice in that confident expectation. We, we live with a smile. And then you notice, our, not just a smile on our faces, but a smile on our heart. Patient in tribulation. I mentioned earlier, there are some of these that I need extra special divine help with. Maybe you do too. That's one. Patient in tribulation. That word for tribulation, we, again, one of those words we never use in routine conversation. It doesn't mean just bad things. It means extra, extra, extra bad. It means, that word for tribulation there, it means the worst thing that could possibly happen to us. I don't know what your list is. I don't even want to think about that tonight. No, you don't want to think, that's not why we'll come to worship. I don't want to think about bad stuff. No. But that passage is saying that we have, you know, talking about that word power, gospel power, tapping into that, transformation. We can be this. We can find a way. And that word for patient is more along the lines of endure. I can survive the worst of circumstances. And remember the author of this, Apostle Paul. He, he said, hey, I've done this. I'm, 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 I'm the embodiment of patient in, in tribulation. Okay, difficult, difficult there. But we have the resources to survive this. You know, one of the things that I say to people, and you probably say a similar thing, when, when you visit somebody, this, I mean, they've got it tough and rough, tribulation, right? I can honestly say, you can honestly say, it's a Christian. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. It may get better here. We hope, we pray it get better here. But it's certainly going to be better one day. And I've, you know, maybe sitting in a pew in church building here tonight, that, that sounds kind of like an empty message. But when we're in the midst of tribulation, we need that glimmer. <laughs> we need to know that on the other side of all this is a gift. On the other side of this is something better, and it lasts forever. The next time you're in the presence of somebody who's in tribulation, remind them that this is not as good as it gets. This is as bad as it gets. And one day things are going to be perfect. Things are going to be unimaginably wonderful. Remind them of a passage like 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I have not seen nor ear heard of entered to the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Ask the person in tribulation, do you love God? Yes, I do. I do love God. Well, there's something good coming for you down the road. We've got to have good news. We've got to be able to share good news with people. I, you remember when Job's friend visited him? Remember? All the losses. And, and, and he looked so bad. <laughs> when they show up, they don't talk to him for, for seven days. They're, they're speechless. That was a good thing. Because when they started talking, it's all your fault. What did you do that's so wrong that caused God to punish you in this way? And he, 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 he calls, remember, he calls them what sorry, horrible ministers of encouragement you are. They, they needed to come to Job with the message, Job, one day the sores will heal. One day you'll get your life back. One day things will be a whole lot better. And they will. They will. Patient tribulation, that one's a challenge. And you put a star by that one. 
Continuing steadfastly in prayer, we pray without ceasing. We grow, we grow because of our prayers. We get stronger because of our prayers. We help others because of our prayers. By the way, I had a, a great conversation with somebody a while back. Especially those of you involved in social media, you're always getting prayer requests, which is a good thing. And then we, we say, like, like tonight, before you go to bed, if you're on social media, you'll see somebody say, so-and-so's sick, so-and-so's hurting, so-and-so, and, and we need prayers. And you'll see dozens of people praying, praying for you, the, the praying hand. But that's not the same as praying. I'm praying for you. No, I just said I'm praying for you. It doesn't mean I'm praying for you. So here's the way we, we, we handle that. The moment you get a prayer request, pray. Don't just respond, I'm praying for you, because you might forget. You're, you're human like me, you might forget. We get, you know, kind of chaotic lives and static and busyness, and next thing you know, we haven't. We just said we're praying, we're not praying. Pray immediately for that person. I'm praying for you, do it right then. Why not? Was that we're that busy? Pray for them right then, maybe even write it and make a note. Have a, a prayer list. Be fervent in prayer, be frequent in prayer, be faithful in prayer. So many qualities, characteristics, habits of healthy, growing Christian here. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Um, and there are a lot of needs of the saints. I, he's probably talking here, don't you think, about the financial needs of the saints. But there's also emotional needs, spiritual needs, encouragement, teaching needs we saints have. Given to hospitality. In the original, the idea here, and of course, you know, we kind of, kind of crazy times with this virus still going around. But in the original, the, the idea is open your home up to people and let them in. Remember, the context of what's happening back then, they're Christians who are really struggling. Some have lost everything, even the place they live. And they're, they're, sometimes they're traveling, they need a place to stay. They can't just go to a hotel and lay down a credit card. And so Christians were taking care of other Christians back in those days, and we're opportunities to do that even now, especially when we know about tough times happening to our brethren in Ukraine or India or Afghanistan or down in Louisiana or up in the, the middle, middle Tennessee. There are always opportunities to do good if we desire to do good, for the saints especially. Uh, given to hospitality, bless those who persecute you. That's another on the list, put a star beside. He's been talking especially about our relations inside the family. Now we're getting outside the family, verse 14, aren't we? We're gonna be persecuting each other in the church, right? But outside the church, there are those who seek to destroy those of us inside the church. Bless those who persecute you. <clears throat> now, Let's not be naive about it. Let's not be delusional about this. We're not being persecuted today. That's not happening. Not this word. We're being maybe gently made fun of on occasion. Gently talked about. But we're not being burned alive. We're not being dropped into boiling oil. We're not being nailed to a cross. We're not being beaten with rods. So let's be careful considering or categorizing anything we would endure for the cause of Christ today, persecution. Get on an airplane to Afghanistan, tell people about Jesus, go get some persecution. 
what we're living, what we're experiencing here in the shoals, no. So we can, we can deal with whatever the, the kid in, in school says about us and our Lord. We can deal with whatever happens in, in, our, in our lives because it's nothing compared to what these heroes were dealing with back then. But this part, bless and do not curse, the idea there is to be better to those who are being not so good to us, be, be more kind to others than they're being to us, think of others more than they would think of you and us. Uh, he, we're, we're, we don't operate according to the law of reciprocity, right? We, we don't do unto others as they do unto us. We, we do unto others as we want them to do. We studied this before. We do unto others as Christ would do unto us, as Christ would do unto them. Again, this is one that is challenging for us sometimes to be nice to somebody who's so rude, who's so foul, who's so profile, you know, it's just tough. Again, we have help. The gospel empowers us, the spirit empowers us to, to accomplish this. Do not curse. He's not talking about using foul language here necessarily. He's talking more about, you know, don't be vengeful towards another person. Let it go. Let go, let God, right? Rejoice with those who, which is more difficult, to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. <laughs> it depends, right? We just need to be compassionate people. We need to be empathetic people. There are lots of folks celebrating good news. Let's be happy. Something good for them is good for all of us. Something bad for them is bad for all of us. Right? Let's not be insensitive to the plight of other people. Just because maybe right now my life could not get any better, it doesn't mean my neighbor's life is the same way. So I need to be careful about that. Right? Need to be understanding on every pew there's a broken heart. We can't let the clothes fool us as to what's really going on in some hearts and some families. Be of, don't you love this, 16? Be of the same mind toward one another. Try to get on the same page together, and that's the mind of Christ, the mind of a servant. We mentioned this before. We don't mind being the same mind as long as my mind, right, or you say as long as your mind, but it's the mind of Christ that we're to try to be like. And then he goes on to say, do not set your mind on high things. A modern translate that might be, don't worry about labels. Don't worry about skin color. Don't worry about ethnicity. Don't worry about dialect. Don't worry about uh, bank account size. Don't worry about what school somebody goes to. Those are external things, very unimportant, right? Don't be so impressed by, by, by shiny things, right? Be humble, be humble. <clears throat> he goes on to say, but associate with the humble. <clears throat> In other words, be with people who can do nothing for us. Be with, be with people who, best we can tell, can't, can't help us in any way, really, right now. Because they're just going through it, maybe financially, spiritually, physically. They got challenges, and, and they need us. And, and right now, it's going to be a one-way deal. We're all giving, and we're not to expect anything in, in return. We can't just be hanging out with people who can throw us the party, right? And take care of us and our needs. That's not why we're here. He goes on to say, <clears throat> do not be wise in your own opinion. Again, the whole lot of reinforcing humility, humility. 
Good thing that none of us, not only is this true, none of us are not as wise or smart as we think we are. Probably a lot of us aren't as quite as dumb as we think we are too. So there's some balance there, right? Don't be too hard on yourself. Repay no one evil for evil. Someone says something bad about us, what's our tendency? We'll say something bad about them. Someone misjudges us, we want to judge or misjudge them. That's not the way of the Lord. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. This is a challenge because that in, in the, 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 the intent there of Paul is that, that we look for good in everybody. Look for good in everybody. And there are some people it's especially challenging to find anything good in them. I mean, there are some really rotten, evil folks that are, are walking planet Earth right now. And maybe the only good we can find in them is that's them and not us. We're thankful for that. But also evil people, to some degree, show us our potential to, to become slaves of Satan. And that's what he can do to people. There are a lot of people that are evil now that were not always evil. What happened? They let their guard down. And they became puppets of the, the evil one. We've got to be on guard. got to be careful. You know, why, did Paul, why did Paul say that he had been converted as an example? as an example to show us the redeeming power of the gospel of Christ. That is, if, it can, if the gospel can save Paul, it can save Jeff, it can save all of us. He called himself, rightfully so, the chief of sinners. Nobody was doing more horrible things than him. But you, you see both powers involved. When he's doing rotten things, you also see the power of Satan to, to delude a person to become something they would think they'd never be. If it is possible, isn't that an interesting way to put it? He does not say, live peaceably with all men, which is what we would think he'd say. He says this, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. (laughs) He's given us an out, hasn't he? He recognizes, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there are some people that you and I cannot get along with. Does that keep you awake at night? That cause you to question yourself. Why can't I get along with that person? Why does that person like me? Sometimes that person doesn't like you, love you, because they don't like themselves. They don't love them. It has nothing to do with you. You're just a victim. It doesn't, you're just random to them. Um, we can only control our side of the argument. Have you noticed that? <laughs> we cannot force somebody to be polite, respectful, thoughtful, kind, Love us, that's beyond our control, completely, almost. We can just model the behavior that we hope others have towards us. But I love the fact that Paul recognizes there are some people that good people will never be able to have peace with, never be able to get along with. So we want to try, but we don't want to feel guilty. If, if we just always, it seems like, have a person or a group of persons in our life that don't seem to care too much about having peace with us. Again, they probably don't have peace with themselves. It's not about you. Probably don't have peace with God either. And you represent something that is reprehensible to them. It's not you. It is all about your father in all probability. Um, I marvel that anybody could hate Jesus, that anybody could want to say bad things about Jesus. 
that anybody could want to kill Jesus. Remember, he was perfect. So if people hated the perfect, if people could say bad things about the perfect, probably much easier for them to say bad things about the imperfect, like us. Maybe even hate the imperfect. Want to do bad things to imperfect people. Let's not take it personally. But let's, again, pursue peace as much as possible. He's not giving us an out here to, to not try. You know, let, let's not just categorize, oh, I can't get along with him. I'll never get along with him. How do we know that? Let's make a concerted effort and then reach some godly conclusions. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I'll repay, says the Lord. Don't worry about getting even. Don't ever do that. Drive you crazy and can't be done. Therefore, <clears throat> here's the conclusion of that. That attitude will result in this kind of behavior. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Not poison him, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. And then he says, do not be overcome by evil. And there's a lot of evil in Rome back in those days especially. But overcome evil with good. The best way to destroy an enemy is to make that person our friend. The best way to make that person our friend is to do what Paul has directed us here to do. Would you pray with me, please? <clears throat> Father, thank you for giving us so much practical insight as to how we should treat those that we are in your family with and how we should treat those who are outside the family with. So many of these are easy for us, I would say, but also fairly to say so many of these are a challenge for us, challenge for me. Help us, Father, to tap into the divine resources, the power that's in the gospel, to help us to love those who will never love us, probably, to be kind to those who will never be kind, <clears throat> who won't appreciate it. <clears throat> help us, Father, to develop the skill of being patient, <clears throat> to, to endure times of tribulation that, that will ultimately come to an end. We're thankful, Father, that, that bad days are just that. They're days. They're not eternities for us. We can choose a path that ultimately ends in eternal celebration, eternal joy beyond our wildest imagination. We're thankful that we have that as our destiny. It's not a hope in wishful thinking. It is a confident expectation that better days are coming for your children. Father, if we need prayers tonight, if we need to repent tonight, if we need to seek the forgiveness of someone we may have harmed, help us to do that. Help us to not rest until that business is finished. <clears throat> Father, if we have not yet put on Jesus in baptism for the forgiveness of sins, re referencing in our minds now the words of, of Paul in Romans 6, teaching us the importance, the essentiality of being born again of water and of spirit, being buried with Christ in baptism so that we can be resurrected just as Jesus came up from the grave. We come up from the water with a new life, the best life. Help us to be eager for that opportunity. We love you, God. Thank you for loving us. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. If we can